I'm Dean Newland, and welcome to the Business of Intuition, where I coach, facilitate, train, and speak on the hard science and meaningful experience of intuitive leadership in business, so you can make better decisions, forge real connections, and creatively solve problems to amplify your impact and simplify your life. Welcome to the Business of Intuition. My next guest on the Business of Intuition is an expert practitioner of diversity, equity, and inclusion, or DEI. We chatted about several things, including the definition of DEI, how each company needs their own process for addressing issues and opportunities around DEI, the role of the inclusive leader, how to hold a person accountable and follow uh, performance management processes during a time when some company cultures are afraid of being seen as unfriendly to DEI, how empathy can be a backbone to a company's culture and the role intuition has played in the career path of my guest. Eric Thomas leads the DEI practice at Genesis, where he is charged with developing global programs that deliver progressive diversity and foster an inclusive culture throughout the company. He focuses on programs that aid to attract, develop, and promote talent that is representative of the communities the company serves. Prior to his current role, Eric served as vice president of global delivery in Genesis Professional Services, leading a team of more than 450 employees responsible for worldwide implementation services. Eric held multiple leadership roles at Alcatel, Lucent and Ericsson, where he drove employee resource groups focused on the unique challenges African-Americans face in corporate settings. Eric has co-founded and served on the board of three nonprofit organizations that mentored young African-American males in underserved cities. He also supported the creation of the Collin County NAACP branch, wherein he maintains an active member. Eric is currently a member of the CNBC Worldwide Executive Council. Eric Thomas on the business of intuition. Well, Eric, it's uh, it's a real pleasure having you on the business of intuition. I know that you are, you might say, a, a an expert in DEI. But before we started, you know, recording this conversation, you were saying that you're not necessarily the traditionalist when it comes to that. You know, you didn't necessarily take the normal path. How did you get into this line of work and, and why are you taking sort of a, a unique, innovative approach to DEI? Yeah. Well, well, Dean, first of all, I appreciate you having me. Uh, I'm definitely looking forward to the conversation today. So I, I, you know, I, I've been on this journey and we have been on this journey at Genesis for the last two and a half years. I have the privilege of, of serving as the company's first global diversity officer. And, you know, quite frankly, you know, the, the catalyst for launching our office was, you know, was coming off of some of the aftermath of the George Floyd murder that occurred in 2020. Prior to that, we had, you know, had a new CEO that joined Genesis Tony Bates, who had come on board to kind of take the company's, you know, business strategy into a different trajectory, focusing on, you know, moving us into more of a cloud and SaaS type model. But Tony personally, you know, brought a different set of, of, of cultural mentality to the table. And at the time, I was heading up a global professional services organization when all of this went down. And, and you know, dealing with the aftermath, reeling with the aftermath of the George Floyd murder, a lot of companies, as we all saw, 
was trying to figure out how do you manage the situation, right? How do you address what is inevitably going on with your employee? Can't turn a blind eye to that, how it's impacting everyone, regardless of where your background was. Seeing what other, how other companies are responding in the industry. And, you know, what does this mean for us as a company? And so there's a point of intersectionality of Tony coming in, his own views, personal views of things, and the type of identity and the culture that he wanted to instantiate at Genesis. And then the catalyst of the George Floyd murder kind of brought he and I together. At the time, I, I, I wasn't in the capacity of a DEI officer, but I was supporting our leadership team at how to navigate the circumstances. How do we navigate certain conversations internally to allow our employees an opportunity to voice what was happening with them? Tony mm-hmm. uh, wanted to have, and we did have, an all-employee conversation around race relations, which, you know, at the time that was the core center of the topic. And he wanted it to be an opportunity to demonstrate empathy in action, which interesting enough, because empathy became the cornerstone of our corporate values as we started kind of unpacking this process. And so for me, uh, having helped our leadership team navigate those circumstances, um, one of the outcomes of that was launching a diversity office. And then I was asked to lead it. And so it was a bit of a pivot for me from what I'd been doing, the, the career I'd been cultivating for the last two decades, which is really on the IT and professional services front, to now becoming the company's first chief diversity officer and help actually build uh, our inaugural set of practices and get our foundation off the ground. So with the companies that we've been dealing with, a, a lot of them have now got uh, DEI uh, vice presidents or directors like yourself. And some of them do not, you know, and, and, and even those would say, yes, we, we do value this. Um, what I've noticed is that there's an inconsistency. You know, everybody's sort of coming at it from a different level, you know, on the scale where we're all in and we're really generating a lot of uh, programs and activities around it. Others would say, you know, well, we, we, we believe in it, but we're not necessarily changing a lot in terms of our practices. We just might change the, the language around it a little bit. What's your take on it? You know, what is your definition in terms of what you're trying to do? What does it look like from a practice perspective at your organization and at how have you approached DEI within your world? Yeah. So, so one of the things I've learned in being at this for the last three years is that there's a, there's, there's no one size that fits, fits all approach to take. I think, you know, different companies, depending on the size of the company, depending on the philosophy of the leadership, that what I've experienced will determine, you know, the level of commitment and the level of, of energy and enthusiasm. And I think for us, you let you know, Tony's philosophy is 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 an all in philosophy with almost everything that he does. Right. And 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 you know, the conversation he and I had around approaching DEI was that, hey, let's start on a journey. I want to see where they where we can take this. And so we we started our journey focused on inclusion. And inclusion meant, you know, how do we connect with our employee? How do we connect with the voice of our, of our workforce and have them play a role in helping us define what is diversity, equity, and inclusion at Genesis? And, and how do we set, up, set ourselves on a path um, where the work is beyond, you know, performative work is, is a commitment to changing how we do things, changing how we show up for each other in the workplace. And, and also, you know, how we, in, at different opportunities, can be champions of 
the work in the local communities. And so, you know, since then, we have established diversity goals for women and the, the different uh, race and ethnicity groups in the U.S. Um, the hiring perspective? Well, from a representation perspective. Yes, right. right. Okay. For, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, there, there's hiring and then obviously there's promotions and those types of promotional and development internally. Yeah. And we put ourselves until 2030 to, to get to, you know, a, a certain uh, uh, threshold. And for women globally, that number is 35%. And with the various underrepresented groups in the U.S., the number is 33%. And, and mm -hmm. it came up that number based on the, the different marketplaces in which we operate. There's secondary data that will tell you, based on a, a technology company like Genesis, that what is the available talent in each one of these markets that would be eligible to work at a company like Genesis. And so mm -hmm. from that bottom of view, we set these goals and we set it as a goal to ultimately align the diversity of our global workforce to be aligned with the representation of the markets in which we operate. And that was one of the first things that we did uh, is set those goals. They're now part of our corporate scorecard and we measure and track them quarterly and report out on them to analysts and to the board and to all of our employees. One of the other things that we did was was establish what we call an inclusion index, which is now part of how we, it's a key component of how we measure the employee experience at Genesis, but it is done in a way that allows us to look at it, look at employee sentiment that comes back from surveys and, and other, uh, way, you know, the voice of the employee and look at it through a very a comparative lens to make sure that there's parity across the different demographics. And the goal is to make sure that, you, you know, you don't have women, as an example, having a different experience than, say, men or any other group when it comes to, hey, do I feel a sense of belonging at Genesis? And then also, do I have fair opportunity access to growth and opportunities and, and, and career aspirations and those types of things? Um, and, and, and then the third thing we did was put in participation, employee engagement as a key component that we measure as well, which is, is an indicator to us of how well is our workforce embracing the principles that we are putting into play each day? And so collectively, that has really fueled our, our DEI work at Genesis. So your employee surveys, have they changed over the years to start to segment out the data based on different categories of employees? Is that what you're saying and seeing where there may be gaps? Absolutely. So there's a couple of things we've done with our employee survey. We have worked with the team that administers in HR, that our employee experience team that administers the survey each year, and made make sure that it is that there it is embedded with questions that that gives you the opportunity to draw out sentiment around inclusion. How do employees feel about you know how, how they feel included in, in the company and, and a sense of belonging? That, that no matter what your identity is, your background, how you love that I feel like this is a place where I can still can be my authentic self. And we also have questions that have been embedded in the uh, survey that allows us to draw sentiment around uh, fairness. Do I feel like that regardless of you know, my background, I have fair access to opportunity, growth opportunities, promotional opportunities at Genesis? And so we changed the questions and then how we assess the responses, we now apply it, what we call the inclusion index where we, we break out the data and we look at each demographic in isolation mm -hmm. and we compare them with the others to make sure that to, 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 to ensure that we have parity 
across the experiences from one demographic to the next. I got totally get it. It's great. Good work on that. So here's a, another layer of this I'm going to ask you to, Eric. So, you know, the old adage that people will uh, join companies, but they will leave managers. You know, so most of the culture of an organization is at the supervisor manager level, you know, where the work is really done. It doesn't really happen at the corporate level that gets pushed down because it gets dissipated as it gets further into the organization. Cascading is really hard to do when it comes to culture. Um, at least that's my opinion on that. So how do you, when it comes to this, this the notion around feeling included or inclusion, I can see where you can match that to the company, you know, but what about matching it to me and my manager, me, the person who is actually in the trenches with me so far? Do you, do you get, get to that level at that point? And if so, how do you build in interventions and coaching and training or whatever you do to be able to improve those sort of empathy relationships between people at a local level? Yeah, good question. You know, one of the things that I have come to appreciate also about this work is is the key that partnerships play in getting things done. Partnerships within the company. And so our talent management organization is, you know, keenly focused on leadership development, developing managers, developing people leaders and so on. And we partner with them, and we did last year to launch DEI training for all of our leaders. And it really attacks it on two fronts. It looks at, you know, what does it look like to be an inclusive leader? How differently do I lead as an inclusive leader? Uh, and then what does it look like to lead an inclusive environment? Right. And, you know, it, it's just, it's a different way that people leaders and people managers have to show up if they're going to focus, have the level of intentionality and focus on inclusion. Uh, the, the other thing that we've done, and this is really fueled by our employee resource groups, is you know we have a monthly cadence of cultural programming that is designed to help us all develop our intercultural competencies. How can we learn more about the rich differences of our, our of the diversity of our global workforce that allows me as a people leader or even just a colleague? To show up in a way, in a more empathetic way, day to day, in terms of how I'm interacting uh, with with fellow colleagues and fellow employees, and, and all of this together, the kind of drives this ongoing education, and it gets uh, you know kind of the head and the heart of understanding the why of the work, so that when I come to you and I ask you to take action, whether that action is you know you being fair and equitable with how you are developing different groups but how you are promoting different groups, but how you are hiring different groups. You, know, you, you have been indoctrinated with the education of understanding the why behind the work. And that's one of the ways that we get at the kind of gold cascade beyond just the support we have at the executive level. How do we engage the nucleus of the leaders at the, at the ground level, people leader, the, 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 the herders, right, to make sure that uh, you know, we're making measurable progress? So here's my next question then for you, because you got me thinking here, Eric, um, I'm only on one cup of coffee, but what is an inclusive leader then? You mentioned this in your former statement around teaching people around that. Is there a model of principle, a set of standards by which one would say, this is what an inclusive leader is? It, it, it definitely is. Number one, it starts with approaching things with a growth mindset. 
right? I think we all, over the course of, of our lived experiences, have been taught certain things that, that it becomes a part of how we approach life, how we approach managing people, or how we approach business. And having a growth mindset says that you, you look at the art of the possibility beyond just what's in front of, and the willingness to unlearn. There's certain there's a lot of things I personally as a leader have had to unlearn to be open to understanding what it means to be an inclusive leader. So that growth mindset is, is key. The other one is be curious. We encourage the curiosity, right? To be able to ask the question, to be able to seek answers or seek knowledge in the areas that may be a little bit unfamiliar to you as we're bringing time of the full picture together. And then the last one is to act courageously and lead courageously. I mean, there, there, there's a lot of discomfort that comes along as you start to unpack some of this very nuanced work. And, you know, we really encourage leaders and, and, and uh, people leaders and, and just really everyone in the company to, to be courageous in the approach, right? So growth mindset, approach with a level of curiosity, be willing to unlearn in order to learn new things, and then be courageous enough to approach it in a way where you know that as a leader, it's my role to make sure that inclusion is a part of our culture. That's great. I love it. Um, so here's a scenario that I, I heard recently from somebody, and I wanted just to get your thoughts on it. So you've got everything you just said, and I think it's great. And then um, there's obviously this, there's some very big energy towards empathy and inclusion. And now I run into a performance management issue. I run into somebody that is absolutely not fulfilling on expectations that the company has set up, but I'm afraid to be able to hold them accountable because we have this other force that says we got to be inclusive. We have to be able to make sure that that we have empathy. How do we balance accountability with this inclusivity that we're trying to do? I mean, there is a they have to come together at some point. How do we bring them together? Yeah, they do have to come together. And look, you know, this is um, you know, we've, we've, this, this is a gnarly one. It, it is. When we started recording, I, you know, I was telling you about how intrigued I was around your approach towards intuition and the role that intuition plays uh, in this work. You know, being an inclusive leader and being intentional around leading inclusive environments does not absolve you from your manager responsibilities. That if you have someone isn't performing up to standards or who isn't doing their role that is required of them, you know, it doesn't matter what their background is. I mean, diversity doesn't mean that we create a space for folks that are underperforming. That's, that's not the goal. The goal is to make sure that for the people that are showing up every day and that are performing and that are contributing to, to the overall progress of the business, that, that, that everyone has a fair share of being able to be recognized, heard, and to be rewarded for what they do. And so, you know, if I'm the leader and I've got a poor performer in the group, you know, regardless of what their background is, male, female, white, black, or whatever it may be, it's my responsibility as a leader to deal with that, right? And there's tools that mm -hmm. we, the company that we, we out, we equip our leaders with of how to do it. And, it, and it, you also don't do it without empathy. I mean, I think at the end of the day, mm -hmm. you know, sitting down and being able to tell someone where they are, coming up short, not just for the sake of the business, but for your own development. I think it's, I don't think it's fair as a leader that you have someone and maybe they've got a, some blinders or some blind spots on certain areas of their performance 
I think you do them a disservice by not telling. And I think the empathy comes in by you being courageous enough to say, here's some areas that you need to think about in terms of development or, you know, your career is going to be stalled as a result. Yeah. And I think you're absolutely right. The principles are they're right on the money and I'm with you there. I, I think that sometimes people are afraid to do that. You know, they're, they, they have that, they, they, we're not there yet, you know, in some organizations, maybe they are with your organization, but there's the, there's the fear. I mean, accountability is hard no matter what, you know, you got interpersonal issues, you've got your own baggage. You remind me of my dad. I mean, all sorts of other stuff that's going on. We're all coming into our world with with triggers that we light up like Christmas trees, you know, which was part of the human condition. Then we have, you know, this 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 fear for some that they don't want to, you know, <laughs> upset the apple cart. And so they're hypersensitive to the things that they say or don't say and the words they use or don't use. And and that's where I think that I love your principle. And I think we're in some companies, we're still working on that, that that other side of it, which is we're really going to do this. It it your point's absolutely well taken. It it doesn't absolve you from from performing against the standards of the organization. Right. Yeah. Well, I love the, you know, you kind of called out the intuitive piece. I think as I was mentioning before we hit record that, you know, my, my perspective, and I would love to get your thoughts on this, is that as I started diving into this whole intuition, that it felt to me that it was where an individual, regardless of their background, could show up more fully. You know, if you've got your brain, which is sort of broken down into your conscious and subconscious, and most of our work is done by the 5% of our brain that we are aware of, the rest of it's all unconscious, which is probably where some of our intuition lies. Then how do we bring intuition out of the closet and into the boardroom, so to speak, metaphorically speaking, right? That it's a part of the full human being experiences to tap into that intuitive side. And that's where I, I also feel akin to you is I think that we're on the same page with this. But I'd love to hear how your journey regarding intuition has sort of led you to where you are now. Yeah. Well, I, look, I, I think that it, from a, through a DEI lens, I tried to answer yeah. the earlier part of your question, and maybe I'll try to get into my own personal. Um, it starts with representation, right? If you don't have diverse representation at the table, mm. then you obviously cannot benefit from a diversity of thought, right? And, and I, and I, I, so I think it starts there and that's why it's so important for us at Genesis and why we actually set goals around diversity, because being a technology company, we know that diverse and different lived experiences brings a different perspective to the table, makes room for a level of intuition that's linked to those diverse background and different lived experiences that you don't get from a homogenous thinking group, right? And so Rev is number one. And then creating that environment of inclusion that once you have achieved a certain level of diversity, diverse representation, that you're actually giving them a voice to be heard. You're giving a voice and that goes in making people feel valued, making sure they feel heard, and in a lot of cases understood. And, and the two are so congruent, right? And, and it's interesting for me. It took me a while to break down what I now believe to be some very basic principles of diversity and inclusion. Diversity is diverse representation, right? Inclusion is when you have the diverse representation, taking the action to make sure that their voices are being heard, right? And I think there's an old cliche around, you know, I can bring you to the dance, but do I actually let you dance? Yeah, yeah, right. 
And, and, exactly. and, I think, and I think that's where a lot of uh, uh, my own personal experiences are where my, tu- my tuition has come in and benefited me in my career. You know, I, I think back on one of the things that <laughs> the legacy of my career has been, I've been brought into a lot of either failing organizations or failing programs and been kind of brought in as kind of a turnaround specialist. Mm-hmm. And the approach I've always taken has been centered on relationships, right? I may not know exactly all about the technology or whatever, if it's an ERP system that's being developed or deployed, I may not have all the intricate details of the technology because I'm not a technologist by trade. What I know is people. What I know is is trust and how the value around trust and relationships. And a lot of those scenarios being brought in into a situation and a lot of times being the only, you know, person of color in a situation um, you bring a certain level of lived experiences from having to navigate that only environment mm. and where you have to build trust in order for, for you to have credibility and have a strong brand. And you lean on that scar tissue and no scenario to build trust with whoever the client is to get them to, to, to get them to follow you toward a path that will actually get things back on track. And, and that, to me, from my personal experiences, that, that has, that's probably a perfect example of me bringing my own intuition to the table from my own set of lived experiences that it may have been different from the, 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 the dominant majority that allows you to bring a certain skills to the table to, to get things done in a different way. So Eric, how has the company from your vantage point changed from where it was before to where it is now? And I know, I don't know how long you've been at this. I, I have to, maybe that's going to be a big factor in this, but what did you see? What's been the benefits? What sort of, whether it be an intuitive sense that this feels better, or we've got some numbers and employee engagement surveys that indicate this. What are you seeing? I've, I've seen both, right? I, you know, I, I referred to our inclusion index earlier to where we, we launched that in 2021. And the first all-employee uh, survey uh, we applied it to the survey from earlier 2021 and did uncover some challenges with different uh, demographics that over the course of the year through different actions, working with the different business leaders, different focus groups, different things, we saw those gaps close when we did the surveys in 2022. Uh, so, so we can measure how differently things are through the inclusion index, but intuitively, um, you know, I had the opportunity to travel to Indianapolis last week, uh, which is one of our largest uh, uh, hubs across the globe. I think we have a little over 600 employees there. Mm-hmm. And um, it was our third year celebrating the life and legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King. The first years it was done virtually. This was the first time being able to do it in person. But it was, it was the first time I'd been there since 2019 because of the pandemic. The vibe, the energy in the office was so different. We had a small room set up to host the event because we weren't really sure how much of a turnout we were going to have. It was standing room only. Wow. Right. The ability to walk around and talk with employees and get a sense from, you know, even if it's just a small representative sample or how they're experiencing this, the overall sentiment is different. The level of engagement and enthusiasm that we see from the employees. Our, we, since we launched this office two and a half years ago, uh, we've since had five additional employee resource groups launch as a result of it, right? 
And the number of members and allies across the globe each year grows. And you just see this increasing amount of enthusiasm from our employee base with the level of change that they're seeing being ushered in, their, their excitement for that change, and then their passion about wanting to be a part of the change. That's what I've seen intuitively that's been different. I've been here for, I've been at Genesis going on five years now. And just the level of focus and intentionality around the work, you see a different buzz and a different level of energy from my employee base and what you saw. And then how have you changed? Oh, man. <laughs> um, great question. I wasn't expecting that. You know, I'm more intentional about how I deal with my team as a leader. That whole concept of leading inclusively, having a, an open mindset, a growth mindset, being curious about the having to unlearn a lot of what you've learned over the years to make room for, hey, this is how we do things a little bit differently. This is how we move with a level of intentionality that just wasn't there. I'll give you a practical example. Um, every year, most companies do this. I had to, before I moved into the stroll, I had a pretty sizable team. It was just shy of 500 people. And every year you go through and you want to know what is the talent in the organization? Where is the talent in the organization? So you go through this talent assessment process and you roll certain folk up, uh, individuals to understand who are the top performers and who could be the future leaders and those types of things. And I've done it year over year as a, as a, as a, as an executive and, and leading, you know, a multi-tier organization. And not once did I ever take a step back when we roll up the view and say, what are the demographics? What is the representation of women in this group? What is the representation of people of color? And so it's just a practical difference now of how I look at the, the leader that lends towards the level of intentionality that you have to have if you're really going to drive systemic change and how we're doing this work. That's great. And so what is one idea that you would like to leave with people today? What idea? Um, well, uh, I'll say it this way. If you're on a journey to build out diversity practices at your company, A, intentionality has to be at the core of everything you do, right? B, data has to be your best friend. Right. Because of how highly nuanced this work is, you're going to come across folks who have a hard time getting their head around the why. And why is this necessary? Why are we doing it? Why do we have to have this place? And why are we investing here, here, and here? I don't spend time debating the why because the numbers speak for themselves. Mm. Lack of representation here or employee sentiment telling us where we have gaps there. I'm always armed with the data and the data is my best friend and the data speaks before I ever speak. That, that's probably what I would tell anyone who's coming into this and trying to work, build this from concept like we've done at Genesis. Somebody once said, I don't know, was it the founder of Walmart? I can't remember, said that people behave in the area in which they're measured, that people behave in the area in which there's data. Uh, there's a lot to be said for that. That's a great reminder, intentionality and data. Really good. So Eric, great conversation. How can people follow what you're all about and or connect with you if should they want to? 
So you can go to genesis.com, G-E-N-E-S-Y-S.com. And when you get to our homepage, there is a DEI landing page. And it will share with you that the team, the marketing team has done a phenomenal job with illustrating the work that's underway and how engaged we are across the globe with our employees. And then you can also follow me personally on LinkedIn, just Eric Thomas on LinkedIn, if you want to follow what we're doing. Fantastic. So I'm on your homepage here, just looking as you were, were talking. Is it under resources or? It's, um, it's, uh, look under company. Okay. Got it. Company. Got it. There we go. Now we got it. Yep. Fantastic. Well, Eric, it's been great to uh, get to know you some more. Uh, great mission and uh, keep up the good work. Thank you. I appreciate you having me today, Dean. Uh, good conversations and things to think about that uh, didn't always come up in your day to day. That's good. That's what I hope for. Thank you for listening to the Business of Intuition. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like to learn more about Dean or Mission Facilitators Leadership, go to mfileadership.com. That's mfileadership.com.